0: What's up, guys? Welcome to a new installment of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. I'm Chris Williams, and earlier today, which would have been uh, Monday morning, I had an opportunity to sit out and chat with Fred Hoiberg, obviously former Iowa State um, head basketball coach, the mayor, the legend, now at Nebraska, but he also had a long NBA career as a coach and also as a player. And he had an opportunity in his career to compete against Kobe Bryant on the floor. And he also coached against him during Fred's first year with the Chicago Bulls, which happened to be Kobe Bryant's farewell tour. And, you know, to be, to be honest with you, does, does Kobe Bryant's death and the tragedy from Sunday have anything to do with Iowa State, which is what we cover? No, but I also... Um just the the journalist in me and just the sports fan in me has a hard time talking or writing about much of anything else today because of you know just the brevity of this moment. So I'm gonna localize this. Um also heard it earlier today on fourteen sixty KXNO one oh six point three Fm and um I, I I thought that Fred was really good um when I when I texted him asking him to to do this with me yesterday, he got back to me immediately and wanted to talk about Kobe and some of his his memories playing against and coaching against Kobe Bryant. So that's what this is today, and I um, hope you guys I hope you guys enjoy hearing from the mayor. I know it was certainly good to to catch up with him. Here's my conversation on the death of Kobe Bryant with former Iowa State head coach, former Iowa State player, Iowa State Hall of Famer Fred Hoiberg. You, you to me, are the guy who, when I think of the NBA in Iowa, I, th- I think that you're, uh, at least for a guy my age, who most people resonate with. And, you know, yesterday I got to – I saw your tweet that you put out, and then I got to look in, and I didn't realize, I guess, how much at the time, but you you're and Kobe's careers really lined up with one another. He was drafted a year later than you, and then you actually got to play against him and, and coach against him. So, I guess to kind of start things out, what well, – you know, what what initially went through your mind when you you heard the news yesterday?
1: Well, it, it, it obviously was a very difficult day. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that uh, you know was an unbelievable competitor. That's the thing that stands out the most. And and you know, getting the opportunity to play against Kobe, uh, you know, in a playoff series, Western Conference Finals, uh, you know, he was absolutely incredible. He just you know he had that it factor. Uh, you know, I, I didn't ever think. You know, when I was growing up, you know, the guys I watched were Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. You know, those are the two guys when I was younger that I looked up to as NBA players. And then as I got a little bit older, Michael. And, you know, you just saw uh, what he did. And, you know, I think Kobe is the closest that that will ever come uh, to Jordan as far as that, you know, that killer mentality, that killer instinct that he had uh, to take over games you know, we needed it and the work ethic that he had and the passion and and the effort that he played with every time he stepped on the floor. Uh, You know, and you hear the stories that, you know, I never played with him, but, you know, just the practices how intense uh, they were uh, just because of the type of person that Kobe was, uh, you know, on the basketball court. You know, I, the way, the way I found out, we actually just got done with practice yesterday. And, you know, we were in the lounge outside of our locker room and, uh, one of the players came out. I think that was kind of the initial report that I want to say TMZ put out that yeah. said, uh, you know, that nobody wanted to believe. I mean, that you know, everybody's saying, you know, there's no confirmation on it from, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, from a lot of news sources. So, you know, everybody was just hoping that uh, it wasn't true. And then, you know, as the reports continued to come in, and, and once they confirmed it, you know, it was, it was emotional, Chris. I mean, it was really tough you know, because you just don't think somebody that's, you know, larger than life figure that, you know, something like that can happen. And obviously, you know, with his family, with his daughter on board and the other family that was on the, on the helicopter and you know, it's just such a tragic, you know, event. And, you know, the one story, you know, about Kobe that, you know, when I was coaching, it was my first year with the Bulls and it was Kobe's last year and, you know, he's kind of doing the farewell tour and, we were playing on a back to back. We played Cleveland uh, the night before on the road. And, you know, generally what you do in a back to back, you don't have a morning shoot around. You do it, uh, you know, a couple hours before the game. So we had a four forty-five walkthrough and uh, for a seven o'clock game that night. And I went out there, it's about four fifteen. I just walked out, thought the gym would be empty and it was Kobe and a ball boy. And he was in a full sweat, you know, almost three hours before the game. He had about 20 games left in his career. And, you know, it's just, a, again, when you look at why the great ones are great, you know, a guy like Kobe is a perfect example of how they continue to work. I mean, here he is almost three hours before tip, uh, in a full sweat working on his game when he, you know, has about a month and a half left of his NBA career. So, uh, you, know, just, you know, I uh, took a chance, an opportunity to talk to our team, you know, about the type of work ethic that he had today because, you know, like I said, when I grew up, I watched those other guys, looked up to those other guys, you know, this generation, you know, most of them, they look up to Kobe and, and, and LeBron, you know, those are kind of the two yeah. guys that they look up to. So, you know, to have the opportunity to sit in the room and, you know, talk to the guys and it was very somber locker room this morning. It was very quiet the, you know, sort of practice was very quiet. I think a lot of it had to do uh, with yesterday's events.
0: One of my, one of my favorite things about Kobe and you kind of bring this up Fred, when you say talking to your guys about him and, how they look up to those two guys I don't know you're the perfect guy to ask because you were I think you were kind of cut from the same cloth Kobe to me was the first guy like of my generation that I could really think of and the fact that social media came around and the internet was more prevalent helps but it seemed like he was the first like superstar that was more than a basketball player you could kind of just tell with Kobe the whole time that he had you know bigger fish to fry. And I really saw that when he, um, when he retired, like it wasn't like this somber, like, Oh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life now. Kobe had like 15 things that he was ready to check off the list. And I've read, I've read books about um, him and you know, how good he was with setting up for retirement and investing. And I just, I, I, I don't know, like it, when you were in the league at the, at that time with him, did you, were you guys picking up on that? Like, I mean, it seemed about like halfway through his career, he started to become more than a basketball player and sort of entered into that iconic area where that, that not many guys get to.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, You know, I, I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, obviously the Jordan brand and, you know, I think Kobe emulated a lot of things that Mike was all about. He wanted to, you know, be as close to him uh, as he possibly could. He emulated his game after him. I mean, you look at the moves – uh, you know, Kobe, the turnaround, the fadeaway, uh, you know, the follow through in his jump shot. It was all very similar uh, to Jordan. And, you know, and then Kobe gets his signature shoe. And, uh, you know, I think there was a big part of that where, you know, you really look to extend your brand. But at the same time, where a lot of athletes, uh, you know, that's what consumes their life. And the basketball maybe doesn't, isn't quite as important to where, you know, Kobe the basketball always number one you could always tell that because of his work ethic and you know he didn't care i mean if people you know look down on him for things he did or things he said he didn't care i mean he was going to continue to go out there and continue to develop that killer mentality you know that's why he got the nickname that he did because you know he just uh he didn't care i mean he was going to go out there and compete to win whatever it was and that's exactly how that's exactly how michael was so you know it's uh it it, it just, you know, to see him come into the league out of high school, a skinny kid. Uh, but you could tell early on, uh, that, you know, again, he had that it factor and not a lot of players, especially today's players have that. So
0: take me back to the 2004 Western conference finals. You're at the tail end of your career. You're with the Timberwolves. You guys are, of course are playing the Lakers. There are some iconic Kobe Bryant moments from that series. Um, I just – maybe not even that series, but I'm sure you've been on the court with him at the same time. You've probably even guarded him at some What, what – what is it like being on the floor with Kobe Bryant?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it, – it, it, you really don't think about it in those terms, I guess. So, mm-hmm. You know, I'm guarding one of the greatest players. I, I did the first time I guarded Jordan. I mean, that was the first time. I, you know, we played him actually our first exhibition game. And I just remember looking down at that Bulls team. I was just in awe. Uh, you know, warming up, here's the guy that, you know, I I looked up to and here I get a chance to go play against him. You know, Kobe came into the league, like you said earlier, a little bit after me. He came in, he was drafted in 96, I was drafted in 95. And, uh, you know, but you could tell early on that he was going to be that type of player. So, uh, you know, that wasn't conference final series. That was the year that the Lakers had, it was Shaq and Kobe and Carl Malone and Gary Payton. So they kind of put that first real super team together. And, you know, for us, uh, we had just won a great playoff series against Sacramento in the in the semifinals. We beat them seven. Uh, it was Kevin Garnett's MVP year. He had I think thirty four and twenty two. I want to say in Game Seven, uh, in an incredible game, we ended up winning by three. I was actually right under the basket. Chris Weber uh, shot a step back three off a pump fake, and it looked like it was going right through the rim, and it hit every part of the rim, It bounced out. We ended up winning that game by three. And then you know that was the year we had Sam Cassell, and you know Sam was kind of a close, he was kind of Mariano Rivera, that team. he was a closer. So KG would get us there. And then Sam uh, would hit the big shot. That's who he was. He, he was the guy that would make the clutch shot for us down the stretch. Uh, and Sam tore a muscle in his hip in that game seven. So he didn't play in that Western Conference final series. And I actually uh, had to play point guard. And You know, hell I couldn't dribble and chew gum at the same time <laughs> in college. So, yeah. you know, i Forced to play point guard, get picked up full court by either Derek Fisher or Kobe. And, you know, I got the ball taken from me by Fisher early. So, the rest of that series, I just threw the ball to the guard ran to the corner and would hit an occasional shot. But, um, you know, for Kobe in that series, again, you got all those Hall of Fame superstar players. But when they needed a bucket, the guy that they went to was Kobe. They would give him the ball either in that mid post area or isolate him up top. And he was the one that was making the play, and generally it was for him. I mean, he was so good at creating his own shot and creating space for himself uh, to 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 get that uh, to get that look. And if it was late in the game, uh, you know, as soon as he left his hand, you knew you knew generally it was going in. So you had
0: a you coached against him too, and it happened to be that year. So your first year with the Bulls as a coach was Kobe's kind of farewell tour. And I I kind of did an exercise this morning forever. I went through all the games that Kobe played that year. And if a lot of fans don't remember it, I mean, his body, and he talked about it, I wouldn't say it was breaking down, but he, he's older. Um, he wasn't playing every night. He was trying to play in the different cities where it would be his last game. And, and, and you mentioned it, Fred, how Kobe always tried to not necessarily emulate Jordan, but he definitely had that respect. Jordan called him a a little brother yesterday, I saw. And he had his final game at the United Center. I think he had like 25 or something like that 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 you would have been coaching against him. What do you you remember about that night?
1: The thing I remember about it is uh, Byron Scott had taken him out of the game and our fans were chanting, you know Kobe put him back in, and I was trying to tell our fans, No, don't put him <laughs> back in. We, need, we needed to win that game, man. Yeah. You know, We were competing for a playoff spot, so uh, but yeah, he came back in and he was hitting everything. And you know, like I said, it, it, you know, you just look at some of those games that he played. Um, those last time, I mean, that, look at the last game, he scored 60 points in yeah. his very last NBA game, and you know, the game against us. I mean, he he had it going against one of the great defenders in the league, against Jimmy Butler. So. You know, he uh, just—he still had it, and this was coming off the, you know, after the Achilles tear and you know some pretty serious injuries, and to still go out and play the game at a high level. I mean, it's—it's pretty incredible what happened in year twenty, how we could still go out and take over a game.
0: Yeah, um, you you have incredible perspective here, Fred. I, I doubt that there's. You might be the only guy, actually. Man, there are probably a couple who who coached and played against the the Mamba. But we appreciate it, man. You were again, like I think that we have a lot of great Iowans who have played in the NBA. I think here in Central Iowa, I'd like to talk to Corver at some point, get his thoughts on on maybe Collison, get him on the air. But man, it was weird, you know, Fred. Yesterday, like my wife's not even really a sports fan, but like she there's just a few moments like in everybody's lives. I feel like where every like time just kind of stands still. And, th- and that news was definitely like that for most of us yesterday. So your, your perspective on this was very much appreciated. Thank you, my friend. And um, best of luck the rest of the year with the Huskers. Is it, How's everything going in Lincoln? Is the f- family happy? Everybody doing okay?
1: Yeah. Family's doing great, Chris. That's, you know, obviously the thing you, you worry about when you move is, you know, how, how will your kids adjust, you know, most, most specifically. And, they fought us on the move. I mean, it's hard. You're going yeah. into your junior year of high school and, you know, we did the same thing uh, with Jack and it turned out to be a great thing for Jack. He's, you know, doing awesome at that Michigan state. And, you know, the twins, you know, after they got here, uh, you know, they, the, the community has been phenomenal. They, uh, kids at their school, they're playing on the number two team in the state uh, right now. They just had their first loss uh, last week and, you know, they're, they're absolutely thriving. So, uh, things are good you know we're gonna uh, we're getting better uh, as a team you know 14 of our 16 guys are brand new and you know never played at this level we you know bring two points back from last year's team which is the lowest production I think almost in the history of a power five school so you know we're just biggest thing this year is getting better young guys are developing uh, you know create a system we're 13th in the nation in pace we're doing a great job taking care of the ball assist numbers are high uh, you know we just uh it's similar to Iowa say, Chris we had four guys obviously sitting out that first year, you know, Chris Allen, Chris Fab, and Booker. And, you know, here uh, I've got three high-level kids sitting out and, you know, hope to have a really good recruiting class, which we're, uh, you know, very optimistic about. So, you know, I think we have a chance to get it turned around quickly, but, you know, at the same time, come out and compete at a high level, which our guys are doing. We're playing uh, really good basketball in a great league, and, uh, you know, I've been really proud of how we're going out there and playing.
0: Yeah, I think that you – you joined the Big Ten in probably the worst year possible. I, for my five years or so of really covering this league and watching it closely, I just don't think it's ever been deeper. There's just no, like, bad teams in the league where you can kind of schedule a win. It's just, I, I've noticed that with watching Iowa. It used to be if Rutgers comes to town, it's like, oh, you're going to be a 10-point favorite. And certainly not the case. Is this as deep as, as you've seen that league, Fred? Oh, I think
1: so. I, you know, and I, I'm, been, I'm, a, I'm impressed with Northwestern. I mean, we went the road and got dug ourselves a hole. I uh, had a chance to come back and win it, ended up losing by five. But they got length and they got yeah. uh, uh, that athlete. They can shoot it. I mean, you know, and that's a team that's got one win. You, you look. It's as simple as this. I mean, you got two teams that were in the top five uh, in the nation that are right now in the bottom half of the league. So you mm-hmm. know, it's uh, a parity is, is incredible. And you know, you look at shoot. I think a lot of you know the Big Ten projected that twelve teams in the tournament. That's just you know, obviously unheard of for lead at 12 of their 14 teams uh, in, in um, you know, in the NCAA tournament.
0: Fred, thank you, my friend. Uh, please tell Doc and Matt and Bobby and all the guys that I said hello.
1: I will, Chris. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.